Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of Generation GC. This one's a bonus episode, and today I am going to be talking about how I interviewed good Charlotte guitarist Billy Martin. There's no guest this time. It's just me, your host, your podcast producer, creator, and editor, Molly Huddleston. Last week, on our last regular episode, we talked about last night from cardiology. In a few days, on our next regular episode, we'll be talking about a song from Youth Authority. The format of this episode is going to be quite different from the typical show format, or honestly, even how any of the other bonus episodes to date have been structured, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. A few people have asked me about my background and have been curious about it, so I hope there's interest in this. It was pretty cool for me to look back and put this all together. I'm releasing this episode now on April 26, 2021, because this week, April 29, 2021, marks 10 years since I launched Circles and Soundwaves and officially began my music journalism career. Um, although I had, you know, some, some little ventures before then, but nothing too official, but that seemed like a fitting time to share this story. I know that a lot of you that listen to this show are also either working in the music industry or you want to work in the music industry or do something creative. So I thought I would share some light on my own background. And I also want to put it out there that I am so happy if anyone wants advice or if you just want to connect. Um, I may or may not have answers for you, but I'm always happy to connect and and share whatever knowledge or help that I can. I, I love helping people out whenever I am able So on this episode, I am basically going to go through several years of my work from April 2011 to September 2018 when I interviewed Billy and talk about how I got that opportunity as well as how I worked on and improved my skills to become a better writer and interviewer. I was so nervous putting this one together, but it was really, really cool to look back on all of it and just kind of put into perspective a lot of things I did achieve over the past decade. And with that, a few reminders. I love having guests from all over the world and from all different backgrounds on Generation GC. If English isn't your first language, that's okay. As long as you're comfortable holding a conversation in English, you're good to go. And by the way, different backgrounds does not just mean location or ethnicity. I want to be clear that I really would like to see a varied gender and sexuality representation on this show. I want to represent fans of different ages, fans with your own unique life experiences of any sort. I I know that you all will bring so many different uh, perspectives to Generation GC. I'm also going to mention, as I have been, blacklivesmatters.card.co, antisemitism.card.co, and antiasianviolenceresources.card.co, which are going to give you resources on how to educate yourself and how to make a difference in Black Lives Matter and anti-Semitism and the anti-Asian violence uh, movement that is also happening right now. Per the Washington Post, as of April 16th, 2021, 986 people have been shot and killed by police in the past year. That is fatal police shootings, so that number does not include non-fatal police shootings. That does not include uh, people that the police have killed with other means. Um, and it's disgusting. It's super upsetting. Also, per the Washington Post, black Americans are killed by cops at twice the rate of white Americans, 
Hispanic Americans are also killed at a disproportionate rate. So this is happening. This is still happening. It's happening extremely frequently, um, and that's not okay. On a more positive note, I wanted to say thank you once again to everyone who came to Generation GC's first birthday party on April 15th. We're going to do another Zoom hangout for sure. I think we'll do like a tea time, hangout, casual chat, cocktail hour kind of thing. I think it'll be fun. And finally, Generation GC stickers are here. If you do want a sticker, there's two things you can do. Number one, support the show on Anchor. Go to anchor.fm slash generation GC pod and click support. Anything that comes into the show helps me keep it going. It helps me print and ship the stickers as well as print and ship the mugs. It also helps me buy the equipment that I need for the show. Number two, you can donate to any organization listed at blacklivesmatters.card.co. Whatever you can afford to give makes such a good difference. And then you're going to send me a screenshot of either your support of the show on Anchor or your charitable donation, as well as your mailing address, and I will send you stickers. You can reach me at generationgcpod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can email generationgcpod at gmail.com, and I will send you stickers. Thank you all for tuning in, and now on to episode 63. So, I'm going to start at the beginning. And whenever I tell the story of how I got started in music journalism, I talk about my college experience. Um, I was originally going to be an engineering major, biomedical engineering in particular, but I switched my major. I eventually landed on a major in psychology and a minor in marketing. I thought about taking a second minor, but that didn't happen. But I, I really wanted to get the most out of my college experience, so I took some electives including History of Rock and Roll, which taught me that I love writing about music. I had always loved reading artist interviews. I thought the people that got to listen to albums before they came out and that got to ask bands about the albums. I I just thought that was like the coolest job in the world. Uh, And then when the class ended, April 2011, I wanted to keep writing about music. I had blogged a little bit on my own before I, you know, wrote about shows and records, but nothing formal, nothing that I really intended to share with anyone. And quite frankly, nothing that I thought was any good. My friend Will had just started this new band, Call Me Anything, and they were looking for people to interview them. I figured I could totally interview them, but I needed um, some sort of platform to interview them for. And so Circles and Soundwaves was born as the platform to to do that interview was how I, you know, first created Circles and Soundwaves. Um, that was the first interview that went up on the site. And I basically spent that summer 2011 developing Circles and Soundwaves, you know, getting in the rhythm of hosting news stories, uh, learning about what kinds of news posts I wanted to write and what to write about, what artists to pay attention to. Taking photos at shows and reviewing shows. I reviewed a couple albums. I interviewed a ton of fans. I think the biggest thing I gained was learning how to talk to people. You know, it was a huge help in terms of my confidence just to honestly work on walking up to strangers and, and conducting interviews with people I didn't know. I, I definitely had a lot of social anxiety growing up. And I think that was part of why maybe I didn't pursue any of this sooner than I did was because I didn't think I 
was capable of of doing it of of talking to people I didn't know of you know you're at a show and like walking up to the tour manager who you've been texting and you know going backstage and then like an interview if you think about it it's kind of a nerve-wracking experience because you're asking them questions that hopefully they've never been asked that exact question before you know you're you're getting people or you're trying to get people to open up to speak in depth about their art. And a lot of times that gets personal and it's great practice for your social skills. Honestly, I think, honestly, I think the psychology major helped me on that sense, just in terms of relating to people. A month or two in, I remember saying to myself that if I ever got to interview Good Charlotte, I would get the Circles and Soundwaves logo tattooed on me. I told myself that, you know, even if I didn't interview them for Circles and Soundwaves, that you know, the site would always be how I got my start. So it would always be a part of me. It would always be my roots in that sense. So I, I made that pact to myself. So the first big band, quote unquote, that I interviewed was Hawthorne Heights. Um, July 2011, they played at Peabody's in Cleveland. And that was really significant for me. It, you know, this is a band that I loved in high school, right? I interviewed their drummer, Aaron, before the show. And then while I was photographing their set that night, I just remember thinking, like, I did this. And if I can do this, I can do anything, right? I can do more. It awakened a hunger in me. And I think that was the night that I was really like, I want to do this for the rest of my life in whatever capacity I can. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Unfortunately, a few months later, fall 2011, Good Charlotte announced that they would be going on hiatus. And I remember thinking like, oh, well, I guess I'm never interviewing Good Charlotte now. But as significant as Good Charlotte, of course, are to me and, and always have been, you know, I knew that Circles and Soundwaves was more than one band. It was about a whole scene, a community, a whole world. It was about all the new music that I was discovering that I knew I could discover that I would go on to discover and write about and tell the world about. And I did, right? Um, but I couldn't do it alone. You know, I, I realized around that point that I needed some help. Um, I met a lot of people at shows, other writers and photographers, you know, some of the people that like just photographers I would meet at the show because it was like, hey, I have a camera, you have a camera. Some of them ended up contributing to Circles and Soundwaves. I met a ton of local bands. I met touring bands, you know, that I interviewed and I would get to watch them, you know, get bigger and bigger, which is a great feeling. I met people who worked at venues. Just a few weeks after the hiatus was announced, um, I remember going to Hero Gyro in Kent. A Hero's Fate and Aristo were on tour together. And my favorite local band, Call It Fiction, was headlining. You know, if you've been to like a local show, you know that it's usually you get a few like local openers and then your touring bands. And then usually if there's like a quote unquote headliner, usually that's going to be a local band, right? Like the kind of biggest local band, right? We'll sort of we'll play last. I saw a lot of friends there, but I met a lot of new people that night. And I think the coolest part was like, meeting all these new people and already feeling like, hey, I can introduce you to my scene, you know, meeting people in the touring bands and being like, hey, I'm 
part of the Cleveland scene, and I can introduce you to it, right? Meeting just other people involved in the Cleveland music scene and saying, hey, we have this thing in common. I also connected with a lot of people online, and I wanted to stress that too. Um, there was this really great blog website called We Are The Kids that was all about young adults getting started in the music industry. They had a lot of great advice, um, a lot of stuff that really helped me. Um, and I also recruited a handful of contributors by submitting posts to We Are The Kids. Um, so while I was still in college, you know, 2011 to 2013 or so, that, that site was a really big help to me and connected me to a couple other people that um, contributed to Circle of Soundwaves. In addition to that, I, I also, through those years, I really built up rapport with publicists. You know, this is something that I think is very important. Communicating with, with a publicist for the bands that you want to interview, that you want to photo pass for, right? So they know so they know what you're doing, and so they know that you're you're posting content, right? Sending them the links when things go live, um, telling them you're interested in covering something, getting back to them if like you're not able to cover it, but you know, maybe you want, or maybe you're interested in talking about this band at another time, right? Being willing to check out and photograph or review or interview a brand new band that's like opening a show at a random venue on a Tuesday night. You might find something great. You might find something that's not so great, but definitely like being willing to check out, I think, kind of new bands from all these different publicists I was in touch with. I think that helped your relationship too. So I graduated college May 2013. I went on tour pretty much right away for about six months. It was definitely hard to keep up with circles and sound waves on the road, but I do remember feeling at that point, you know, in the times when I was able to do something on the road. You know, I got a couple reviews down, a couple news posts here and there. And I just remember feeling like, you know, not only had I gotten more comfortable and confident in my skills as a writer uh, and as a photographer, which honestly, photography, I am pretty much entirely self-taught, YouTube, Google, you know, but just I had found my place in the music industry and people were starting to know who I am and they were trusting what I did and what I said, which was a cool feeling. So after I went on tour, I think it was June 2014 that I was hired by Access. They had a part-time freelance kind of role as a beat writer, photographer. So I covered pop and indie rock in the New York City area. This was a really cool opportunity. Access was a big platform. They were, you know, at the same time that I came on, they recruited beat writers um, in all different cities and they would kind of assign people to different genres. So like I was pop and indie rock. I think someone was alternative. Someone was metal. Someone was urban hip hop. Someone was country. And I think someone was like EDM. Um, but pop and indie rock are super broad. So that left me with a ton of freedom. Uh, and I had a platform where I got paid and I could like focus on by content, right? Which was awesome. Getting paid to do that stuff was awesome. I still kept Circle and Soundwaves going. And I was also working various jobs, you know, babysitting, dog walking. I worked at football games recently. And Access was great. I mean, the team there, you know, they helped me secure interviews and photo passes that I might not have been able to otherwise get. 
which definitely helped me build a lot of connections. I got to cover CMJ in New York in fall 2014, which was a really crazy week. Uh, it was a lot of fun and like very social, which was great because I felt like it was just an awesome networking opportunity to meet. That week, I met so many people in person that I had corresponded with over the internet, in some cases for weeks, in some cases for like a couple of years. And it was also cool doing for Access a lot of pieces with pop artists and, and artists from other genres that were kind of on the rise. I remember interviewing Kelsey Ballerini, January 2015. She was opening for Ray Lynn. It was this free show in New Jersey and she and her band had only played like a handful of shows at that time. And now she is like massive headlining her own tours. She's, she's huge. And I never would have covered a country singer on circles and sound waves. Right. I got to photograph Taylor Swift that summer, July, 2015, the 1989 tour was at MetLife stadium. I photographed a few EDM shows. I photographed and interviewed grammatic, which was, very cool and very different from anything else. So I felt like I really broadened my horizons during that time and, and got to do a lot of bucket list things. So all in all, I worked for Access for about a year and a half. Um, and then one day, November 2015, I got an email that they were ending the Beat Writer program. So I was invited to continue contributing. Um, and I did, you know, I, I, there were like a couple other shows I wanted to cover that I was like, all right, uh, whatever. But, you know, my, my job, as it were, my position and my pay, my regular pay, uh, was gone. The very next day, like, I swear it must have been like exactly 24 hours, Good Charlotte announced their return from hiatus. And it was like, all right, I've just, lost this job, but maybe everything is actually all right in the world. I posted about it on Circles and Soundwaves, um, and it was a pretty short post, but I don't think I've ever been so excited to write a single news post. Just uh, how, how incredible was it to write that they were back? It was like, everything is okay. Everything will be okay. And I knew that I had to get an interview. I mean, especially coming off the heels of, of everything with access coming to an end, I was really fueled to do it, to uh, prove myself as an interviewer, to prove my place in the industry, to, you know, to, to keep just connecting and, and working hard and getting in touch with the right people. And, you know, as confident as I felt in 2011, um, when I was a couple months into it, right? I, I knew that by 2015, I was a better writer. I was a better interviewer. I was much more established professionally. Youth Authority, which was the band's comeback album, their sixth album overall, came out in July 2016 during Warp Tour. And I was on Warp Tour that whole summer. And I remember emailing, it was either their publicist at the time, or it might have just been whoever was kind of running the Warp Tour press to see if they were available for interviews, uh, but we were not able to make it happen. You know, Warp Tour is a pretty crazy time and it's a great, it, getting to cover Warp Tour and do interviews and be in the press room was such a wild experience. Like it, it's kind of chaotic, but I loved it. Um, but definitely seeing how intense a day at Warp Tour could be, like obviously it's understandable. Uh, some bands just don't want to be a part of 
to impress on Morgor. I get it. I reached out a few more times, you know, trying to make an interview happen with Good Charlotte. You know, whenever something happened, like new music video, whatever, whenever they had a show in my area, you know, I reached out, I'd try, but it didn't happen just yet. I did, however, I got to review a show on the Youth Authority Tour when they played the Starland Ballroom in Sayreville, New Jersey. And I also got to photograph them a few times. I photographed them a bunch of times on Warp Tour. Shout out, by the way, to Nikki Perry, who I met when we were photographing the Indianapolis date. Um, She was on the show talking about moving on last fall. And a few other times after I got to photograph with Charlotte as well, like the May 2017, like little Northeast run that they did in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, in the final Webster Hall show that summer. Also in the summer of 2017, I had connected with some of the folks at Substream Magazine and they were in need of contributors and they asked me to come on board. I said yes. Substream was a great experience for a lot of reasons. You know, I mean, number one, Similar to Access, I covered a lot of artists that I wouldn't have covered on Circles and Soundwaves due to genre. You know, they, they had a, a slightly different coverage focus than I was doing on Circles and Soundwaves. Number two, it's a big outlet, which has a great reputation in this scene. And that definitely helped my reach and who I was able to interview. And number three, I felt like I really had this community aspect in terms of the team. You know, it, it was a smaller team than Access. Like, Access had so many people contributing for them that we weren't really in touch as a group. But I, at Substream, I felt like, you know, the writers, photographers, and, and editors were always just in touch with each other. So I was able to bounce ideas off of other people. I could see what other people were working on. And I also felt like I got a lot of direct feedback on my work at Substream. You know, feedback on the stories themselves, as well as you know, advice on how to choose the header photo for your article, how to time interview requests and interviews when you want to interview a band about an album that isn't out yet. A big thing I learned in my time at Substream and really improved on over that couple of years is writing a feature style article about my interviews as opposed to doing a straight Q&A style, you know, where you're just listing question, answer, question, answer. I think the first one of these that I did was my interview with Cash Cash. So that happened super last minute. And I I remember feeling like I hadn't prepared that much because I didn't really think it would happen. It was this crazy setting at Billboard Music Festival. I spoke to them for maybe nine minutes and we had this terrible background noise from a yacht party that was like 10 feet away. And then I had to turn this nine minute interview into like a 1500 word story for the print magazine. It took forever, but it definitely helped me just fall in love with that format and taught me that I really enjoyed writing interview stories like that. You know, I I really love that I could bring in additional background information and context and just just add like a certain emotion and that narrative quality that you don't necessarily get in a Q&A interview. So that was August 2017. I did a bunch more things for Substream over the coming months, some for print, a lot for their website. And then February 2018, I decided to end Circles and Soundwaves. I had known it was coming for close to a year. And then I woke up one day and I, I just knew it was time. That That's all it comes down to. I remember thinking that, you know, 
it was definitely, it was, it's like, it's kind of weird that I'm doing this before I got to interview Good Charlotte, which had always just been this big goal of mine. And I kind of wondered, like, am I just giving up that opportunity? But I just knew in the bottom of my heart that it was time to end Circles and Soundwaves. And, you know, I, I just felt like this site was as big as it was ever going to be. And I had kind of done with it everything that I ever would. Could I have kept going and kept doing things on the same level? Yeah, totally. But it, it, it was time. It was time for a new chapter. I was excited to focus more on everything I was doing at Substream and just to see what other opportunities were out there. So I kept doing a lot of stuff with Substream. You know, spring and summer of 2018, Good Charlotte is starting to tease something. I was writing all about it, uh, you know, writing all these news posts as they were like teasing and announcing everything. Something that I think is key in terms of making the eventual interview happen is that I made relatively early contact with their publicist at the time. Pretty much as soon as Generation RX was announced in May, I reached out and expressed my interest in doing an eventual interview. And what the publicist said was basically to check that closer to release as they were looking to set up interviews, you know, closer to the actual album release date. Some artists do want to have interviews published super early on in the campaign or, or roll out for the album. But something that I did find was pretty common was that even if you conducted the interview a month or so before the release, you'll kind of end up holding off on actually publishing the story until release week. And this obviously varies. It is not set in stone. Every artist has their own press strategy for how they want to time interviews and press. Every publicist has their own way of going about things. Um, and, and of course, you know, you might want certain publications doing interviews super early. You might want to focus on other publications at a different time in the release cycle. I mean, definitely there were interviews out there before, you know, before I did just, just in terms of how things were working. Right. So I stayed in touch with Good Charlotte's publicist, um, kept sending them all the links to all the news posts I did, everything I was writing leading up to the album release. And they actually sent me the album as an advance in like July or August. Super exciting, obviously, to get to hear it uh, before the rest of the world did. And then maybe a week or two before the album was going to come out in September, I reached back out. And the publicist told me that Billy might have some time for interviews the following week. Now, this was pretty late in the week, right? And so I basically spent the whole weekend researching and preparing for an interview that, at the time, I didn't know for sure if it would happen. <laughs> Sometimes you get confirmations weeks out, and maybe you get to schedule the interview itself weeks out, but a lot of times you would get confirmation in advance and then schedule last minute. Sometimes you don't even get that confirmation in advance, right? Especially in, you know, a release week. That's always just a crazy, crazy time. You're preparing and researching and writing questions sometimes before you know exactly when and if an interview will happen. Just because you want to be ready when it happens, right? Every journalist has their own strategy. I actually got to talk about my strategy in great detail in an interview for a book called Storytelling and the Music of Journalists by... Emma Georgevac. Hope I'm saying that right, Emma. Um, but my my strategy, I think, like for this, and a strategy I pretty commonly take is listening to the music a ton, like taking notes as I'm listening to albums, taking notes through the new albums, um, 
reading and watching a lot of interviews that the artist has done, like really wanting to get to know them. And I was really excited that I might be talking to Billy because at the time, you know, he hadn't really spoken much on uh, the upcoming album. Like everything I'd really seen leading up to Gen RX was mostly the twins. Um, so that that was pretty cool because I was like, all right, I'm I'm going to talk to a member of the band that hasn't gotten to speak as much on this album yet. You know, I, I obviously knew a lot about Good Charlotte going into this, but I really wanted to have good questions for this. I wanted to speak confidently. I wanted to have specifics and I wanted to have a conversation and eventually write a story that nobody else would be able to write. So Monday, September 10th, it's after 11 p.m. I'm in bed. Like, I've turned the lights off, but I decided to check my email one more time, and I got confirmation of the interview with Billy the following day, Tuesday, September 11th. I said, thank you, you know, yes, we're good to go, let's do it, here's my number for the phone interview. I shot my boss a quick email, asking to leave early, explaining the situation, uh, and luckily he was totally cool about it. So Tuesday morning, I go into work. I work, you know, most of my normal day. I, I only had to leave a little bit early. I drive home and then I do this interview with Billy over the phone. You know, I definitely had nerves going into it. Like this is something that I've been trying to do for a long time and I want to do a good job. But I also was really excited because I knew that I knew my stuff. Like I knew I was going to rock it. I was confident. I felt great going into it. Billy and I talked for a little over 20 minutes. I thanked him for a great interview, you know, shot off an email to the publicist and I definitely celebrated. Like I was feeling excited and I was feeling proud. That's the biggest thing. I was feeling proud. Like something I've been wanting to do for years and years and years happened. Now, this is Tuesday and the album was coming out on Friday, September 14th. And I wanted my piece to go up the day the album was released, which meant that I basically had till Thursday night, the 13th, to finish it. So an editor could look over what I'd written and get it set and push it live. So Tuesday night, I transcribed the interview. I worked on an outline of my story. I'm very methodical and structured in my writing, right? I transcribed the interview. Um, I essentially outlined everything said in conversation as well as outlining my own notes that I had on the subject in the album. I color code everything and then I kind of play around and, and build it into a story and start drafting. Wednesday, I wrote my draft. Thursday night, I revised it. I got everything set in WordPress with, you know, photos and I embedded videos, looked over it again, again. And then Friday morning, the album came out and my story went live. It was a pretty cool feeling. Uh, I posted it on my socials. I'm pretty sure I texted it to every person I know. Uh, a lot of my friends were retweeting it and posting it too. And it, it was just really awesome to see people that I loved and cared about being so supportive and recognizing how much it meant to me to get to do this. And it was just like, it was a great feeling to say that I interviewed Good Charlotte. I interviewed my favorite band something that I wanted to do for many years, I made that happen. And I did end up getting the Circles and Soundwaves logo tattooed on me a few weeks later. It was a really gratifying feeling to look down at my ankle and, you know, realize that the blog that I built not only brought me so many great opportunities in its own right, it also led me to other opportunities that 
were ones that I've been working towards for a long time. You know, I think it goes to show that if you want to do something, you can set your mind to it. You can make it happen. You work on it. You work on your skills. You work on building the connections and professional relationships that you need to make it happen. And you don't give up. I was told no a lot of times. I did not let that stop me, right? You know, there were a lot of people who didn't believe in me as a writer, as a photographer, that didn't believe in what I was doing with Circles and Soundwaves, that didn't believe I would ever get published elsewhere or ever write for any other outlet. But I had a drive to do it and I kept doing it. It was definitely like a bittersweet feeling when I eventually left Substream in November 2019. But, you know, as with ending Circles and Soundwaves, I just knew it was time to pursue other opportunities. I definitely miss writing a ton, but I, I've really found such a love for doing this podcast that I, I really didn't even expect going into it. Just as my goal as a writer, you know, has always been to use my unique voice to write stories nobody else can write. My goal with this podcast is to continue using my voice to share things that I find interesting about Good Charlotte's history and career to help people also share their own stories. And I, I think the coolest part is that like, when you are so honest and when you're so clear on like, hey, this is like my voice and this is what I found interesting, people connect with it. The title of my interview with Billy, the title of that article was Interview. Billy Martin of Good Charlotte talks fan-driven new record at Generation RX. And then I had in the subheader a quote where he said that it's crazy to think that we're that band. You don't realize that you're somebody's favorite band. Everybody has a favorite band. If you love music, you have a favorite band. And it's cool to think that we're so many different people's favorite band. So knowing that I was able to do, you know, that interview to, to get that quote, to tell that story, that was a pretty great feeling. I felt like nobody else could do that. As we begin to wrap up, I, I guess I just wanted to leave everyone with some advice. If you're listening to this and you want to pursue something creatively, do it. My biggest advice for anyone doing anything creative, whether that's a podcast or making music or graphic design, whatever it is, love the process. If you love the process, if you love the act of creating, even if no one's paying attention, even if no one likes it, if you find joy in the act of just doing something for its own sake, you're good. You're going to have a much better time at keeping at it if you love what you're doing and you don't just love the praise and the feedback and you'll be less likely to burn out too. If you're listening to this and you want to pursue a career in the music or entertainment industry, do it. Sometimes making your own opportunities can teach you a whole lot, but you can also learn a lot from working with other people. The reality is that for a lot of people, you know, you're balancing what you're doing creatively or you're balancing what you're trying to do in the music industry along with a day job, maybe also school, right? And and as well as whatever other life responsibilities you have. You know, I have this podcast. I also have a full-time day job in the music industry. So my schedule is definitely pretty busy, but I love it. Time management is really key. I schedule everything. And I've always kind of been this way. I've always been balancing, you know, whatever I'm doing outside of work in school with, you know, work in school, you know, put answer emails on the calendar, put script podcast intro and reach out to next week's guest, 
you know, block off an hour or two for photo editing when I was editing photos. I only know my life experience. I don't know anyone else's life experience. I don't have the answers to everything, but if anyone ever has questions or is interested in pursuing something in the entertainment industry or something creative, if you just want some advice, hey, reach out. I would love to talk to you. I'm I'm always trying to encourage other people and I always want to support other independent creatives. This has been a really fun podcast to do. It, I, I really, really hope you enjoyed it. It, it I, I love getting meta like this. Uh, and I just really enjoyed looking back at how I have gotten to make certain things happen. Um, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to this. Now, uh, last words about the interview. I mean, of course I'm biased because I love the subject matter so much, but this is truly one of my absolute favorite things I've ever written. I felt like I told a story that put where the band were presently in 2018 into context with their history and and what just made them important to so many people. Finally, as we head out, uh, my song recommendation that I'm going to add to the Generation GC and Friends Spotify playlist is Perfume by Dwayne featuring Austin Knight of Waterparks. It's a great song and I can't wait to hear more from Dwayne. Also super excited for the Waterparks album. Well, thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Last week on our last regular episode, we talked about last night from Cardiology. And then next week on our next regular episode, we'll be talking about a song from Youth Authority. My name is Molly Huddleston. I have been your host. You can follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow me, Molly, at M Huddleston, M-H-U-D-E-L-S-O-N, on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you haven't already, please join the Generation GC Fam group on Facebook. Connect, hang out. It'll be a good time. Please make sure to follow the show, subscribe wherever you listen, and rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Talk to you next week.